Hey, welcome. I am so excited about today's podcast. I really am. And uh, here at Living Streams, we have our Sunday mornings and we podcast those. But occasionally we do these sort of long form podcasts. And it's really, for me, so uh, not just entertaining, but kind of therapeutic to talk through these big subjects. And recently with Roe v. Wade, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, as a church, Living Streams, we've been really prayerfully and carefully trying to figure out how do we address the subject better? How do we talk about this, not just five minutes on Sunday morning, but with a little bit more depth and a little bit more um, grace and patience? And so we figured today we would bring in a couple of guests. And uh, so we want to introduce these guests to you. Jen, why don't you introduce yourself uh, to everybody? and. And we'll dive in. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my name is Jennifer Bishop. I am a mom of two boys, six and nine years old. Um, my husband and I walked a long road of infertility, which is part of my story that I'll share later that brings me here today. Um, and uh, part of that is what led me into now I volunteer at Choices Pregnancy Center, which is a crisis pregnancy center, helping women who are dealing with um, finding themselves in scary, traumatic situations. And so I have the privilege of getting to walk with those women. And so um, that's what brings me here today. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and now, uh, Dr. Diana. Uh, why don't you share with us a little bit? You and I got to chat uh, uh, last month when all this stuff started heating up. Why don't you introduce yourself to us? Yes. I'm a retired OBGYN. I have born and raised in Arizona, um, taking care of women and their reproductive health problems for over 40 years. Um, I am retired now, but I still passionately love to be involved however I can to just help women who are having tough decisions to make um, for women who have had abortions in the past and need to know forgiveness and mercy. And um, so I'm excited to be here today and give information or input on this side of yeah. the medical side. Um, mm -hmm. And also not only were women my patients, but the babies. Yeah. And I have a real compassion for us to be knowledgeable about that, that um, this is not just about women's reproductive health care rights. It's also about health care, which involves with pregnant women taking care of both a mom and a baby. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, just a little backstory before we got here. You know, um, last month when it was leaked that Roe v. Wade was potentially being overturned and it seemed very legitimate. Uh, those of us on staff at Living Streams, we had a real conversation that week going, and it was right before Mother's Day too. And we were going, do we address this thing on Mother's Day? And we had some people going, just keep it light. You know, you don't yeah. want to get too heavy. And um, But going into it, there was a real strong conviction as, as we were approaching Sunday morning that this is a, a very important thing that's going on in our country. Um, and we're constantly trying to figure out as church leaders, we're going, okay, is this us wading into politics or is this politics wading into the church? And for those of us at Living Streams, we really do believe this is politics wading into the church. We feel like this is politics getting into what we believe is God's care for people. And deep down, uh, that's what we believe that it, it, it stems from. So that Sunday morning, we, we went in and Jen was actually part of a panel mm -hmm. uh, discussion for resilient moms. That was the, yes. the theme for the day. Um, and we just kind of prayed for the country right off the bat, you know, mm -hmm. right going into it. And I called Diana right before that because I thought I really need to get some perspective because um, we had been hearing and I don't totally buy this, but I do think there needs to be some some group uh, discussion about this. But people were going, you're a man you can't speak into this subject by yourself. And I was going, I, I hear what you're, what you're saying, mm -hmm. but I, I, don't, I don't believe that's true. Mm -hmm. I, I really do believe that we need to mm -hmm. be able to all speak into this thing that is affecting really everybody. I mean, yeah. tens of millions of babies have been aborted since Roe v. Wade. I think it involves all of us. Mm -hmm. um, but at its core, you know, I mentioned um, Jeremiah when... And right in the beginning, Jeremiah said, I have been called to be a prophet before I was even conceived in the womb. Yes. 
And this idea that God has a purpose, that we've been designed on purpose and for a purpose, is a deeply Christian idea. It's not a political mm-hmm. idea. It's this idea that all life matters, that each one of us matters. Mm-hmm. And I think it even the fruit of uh, where you see the pro, pro-choice, what they call themselves, movement, that there was this really sad uh, trend on Twitter saying, all these people holding these signs saying, I wish I was aborted. And deep down, I think that is symptomatic of this this non-value for life. And at some point, if you don't value life, you stop valuing your own life. You don't understand that God has a purpose for you. Um, so we, we talked about it a little bit that Sunday. We prayed for our country. We prayed that it wouldn't tear us apart in violence, you know, and uh, a lot of those sort of things. But after that, we thought, we really need to talk about this a little bit more. We really need to have a little bit more discussion. And since we had discussion with you guys, I thought this would be a really great opportunity uh, for you to share your story, for you to talk a little bit from the medical uh, perspective, um, and to just talk a little bit about Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we start with you, Jen? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into this place that um, caring for women in this situation yeah. has become important for you? Yeah. Um, so really I have to go back 15 years, um, because my story, I can't really tell one part without the other. So if I go back 15 years, my husband and I had been married a year and we just decided it was time to have kids. And, um, and you know, as a woman, your whole life, you grow up just assuming when you're ready to be pregnant, you just are going to be pregnant. I mean, because that's what you're supposed to be able to do as a woman is produce life and carry a child. And so I didn't think anything of it. We just decided, yeah, this is the time. Let's start trying to have a baby. And, um, in it, about a year into it, I realized, oh, wow, this isn't quite as easy as, as I thought it was going to be. And, um, you know, we, that was the point where we started seeing doctors, medical professionals and, uh, had every test known to man and they couldn't find a single thing wrong. In fact, they said, you guys are beyond perfect. We can't find any reason that you shouldn't be pregnant. Um, and so we started going through some fertility treatments and, um, and it was about the, the third year in that it really just, uh, became apparent that, that, um, this was really hard. And, um, and so I, I remember thinking we were at the point where we had done some intervention, some fertility intervention, and it was to the point where we had to decide, are we going to move forward with this? Or are we going to, to go another route? Maybe that was year four. Mm-hmm. And so we started praying about it. And um, <clears throat> really, at that point, the hardest thing for me, because we started to think about adoption, but I, I really began to think, um, wow, do I lack faith? Is that, am I giving up on God by not waiting and allowing him to bring this child biologically? And so we went through all of that and finally got to the point where the Lord opened the door for adoption. And we really felt that that was the road that we were supposed to go. And so we went and met with an adoption counselor and my heart, just the, the, my heart opened and the joy just started flowing out. And I knew that that was exactly the road that we were supposed to be on. And so we began the process of going down that road. And, um, and that was about year five. And, um, and so we began going down that road and it was just this incredible journey of going through almost six years of just pain and heartache and, um, having to walk through um feeling some anger towards the Lord to be really honest and and he was so faithful to me in allowing me to bring that to him and 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 deal with that um but we went through the adoption process and in about a 6 month period my oldest son Jackson who's now 9 years old was in our home in our arms and that was the most unbelievable and holy experience of my life. It was just this incredible moment. And so, you know, here I am on the other side of all of that pain, on the other side of that heartache, and um, thinking that I'm going to minister to women who have gone through infertility, because yeah. it makes total sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, and I have had some really amazing opportunities to do that, and I love to speak into that. But that was about 2015. Jackson was two years old. And so, um, that was the year, if you remember, that all the news started 
talking about what was happening at Planned Parenthood, the selling of baby parts, and all of this stuff started coming out in the news. And I would find myself, um, we were big news watchers at the time, and I would find myself so disturbed, like I can't even put into words. It, it would get into my heart, and it would get into my gut, and I would feel nauseous and sick, and I would have to turn the channel, and I couldn't listen to what they were saying. It just was more than my heart could bear to listen to the devaluing of life and, and people being proponents of this. This isn't a big deal. This, it's a, a woman's choice. And, and, and then what they do after the fact is their choice. And so that was when, um, my story really began to transition and it became a lot about the Lord beginning to reveal to me that he was calling me into, uh, minister to women who were at this point of decision that they were at a point that they were in traumatic circumstances, um, unforeseen circumstances, unexpected. And, um, and I, I couldn't figure out what to do with this rolling thing in my gut that was bothering me, that would keep me awake at night. Um, and, and you know, up until that point, I had known, um, I know in my heart that abortion is wrong. God makes clear his value of life. That's indisputable. And, um, but I, I didn't really ever know what to do with that. And so, um, it was really at that point that I started to ask myself, what do I do with this thing that's bothering me so deeply? Because I, I can't do nothing. And so at that point, I talked to, um, one of our pastors here, Faith Cummings, and was just talking through it with her. And she said, you know, I know someone who's a director of a crisis pregnancy center. And she said, would you like me to put you in contact with her? And I said, yeah, I would like that. And so, um, her name was Julie. I got in contact with her. And a few weeks later, I was sitting in a volunteer training for, um, being, uh, becoming a counselor at, Choices Pregnancy Center. And so that was um, this amazing moment. Um, and so I, I've got to walk in there and go through that training. Um, I went through four days of training and then I went to on the job training and it was just this amazing experience. Um, and I remember the first time I went in and I got to, um, part of what we did was we would run pregnancy tests. And so a mother came in and um, I was able to go back and run her pregnancy test. And it was just this real moment of clarity. And it's going to sound funny, but um, here I am dealing with a stick that someone <laughs> has feet on. And yes. I don't know who she is. <laughs> and I'm running this pregnancy test. And the thing was, up until this point, every pregnancy test I had ever looked at had been negative because all of the pregnancy tests I had done had always come back negative. And and it was this moment where the Lord... Um, it's really hard to explain, but I felt the Lord there with me. And it was this really, really holy moment of getting to see this is the first proof of life for this woman, that this is holy because it's life. And and this is the first moment of proof of that life. And and as funny as it may sound, that was my moment of confirmation. And I started crying back there in this room. And it was it was almost as if it was my pregnancy test that I was looking at. And um and so that really led into now I've been able to work with these women and walk with these women. And um there's so many things that I hope to get to share today. Because I think there's so much misunderstanding in the world um, yeah. about the women who are looking at abortion, who are going in. There, there's so, there's just so much. Um, I was the person who I had lots of thoughts and lots of opinions about these women, and when I had to go in, and I got to face the actual person, the heart and the eyes and the human behind my thoughts and opinions and my ideals, um, it became very real. And I felt like the Lord allowed me to see these women through his heart. So I'll share more about that, but that's kind of my story of how I got into the crisis pregnancy centers. And, um, it, it's literally changed my heart and changed my life. That's beautiful. So, and I love yes. that moment where you get that positive test. Yes. After years of seeing your own negative tests. Yeah. You see that positive test. Yes. 
And it is the, I love in Ecclesiastes, it says that the paths of the Lord are, he says crooked, but doesn't mean like it's bad. It's the crooked path of the Lord. It's like, I didn't know it was going to turn this way. And I didn't know it was going to go that way. Yes. And the thing about your story that I think is so beautiful, it's like infertility Mm -hmm. led to this heart for uh, people that were going to have abortions, women that were going to have abortions. And it seems like such a a strange path to go on. But it's so of the Lord to to lead something like that. So it's beautiful. And we'll talk more about that. Um, But Dr. Diana, uh, why don't you share a little bit of your story um, as much as you want to and uh, and how you kind of got to this place? Well, loving to hear about your story, too, because um, we all do have our stories. Um, When I was a teenager, um, I was a Christian. Uh, I had a wonderful boyfriend. We became sexually active. It resulted in a pregnancy. And at the time, his vote was that we got married. We were graduating from high school. We were both smart. He had a full ride scholarship to Duke University and I had a full ride scholarship to University of Arizona and and it would be okay. And I was scared. And I was concerned that maybe this wasn't okay. This was, first of all, I wasn't sure we were going to get married. And I wasn't sure how this would impact things. I knew that my parents would totally freak out. Um, I was ashamed of it. I didn't know who to talk to about the whole situation, but I I ended up confiding in a friend of my sister's who had had an abortion. And she said, you know, it's not hard. Um, And you don't have to deal with it. You don't have to tell anybody. They'll never know. So out of that, though, came a situation in which I went to see a doctor. And this doctor... um, was legally doing abortions. Roe v. Wade had occurred a year before. Um, prior to that time, abortion was readily available to anybody in the state of Arizona. You just had to go to California. Mm. But I didn't know anybody who wanted an abortion didn't get to have one and didn't really care that it wasn't in Arizona because they just kind of wanted to do it someplace else anyway. Yeah. However, um, for my situation, this particular doctor in my mind, decided to play God, or at least my parents. Mm -hmm. I was underage. Uh, The first time I saw him, I was 16. Uh, When he performed the procedure, I was 17. But um, no real informed consent was given. Um, I was paying for it out of my babysitting money, and I did not have enough money to pay for both the abortion Mm-hmm. and sedation and anesthesia. So he said, well, it's no problem. It really doesn't hurt very much and it'll be quick and you know, you won't, it's not a big, won't be a big deal. I'll take care of everything. Yeah. I'll take care of telling the hospital things so it won't matter that you're a minor and, um, and no one will know. We'll just get it done and no one will know. So I think that um, a couple things out of that situation, one was the abortion ended up being extremely painful. I was further along than he thought. I had a huge amount of blood loss, which could have been life-threatening to me. I have RH negative blood, and that's important because in women who get abortions, if you don't receive something called a Rogam Mm. injection, it can cause later pregnancy problems with RH disease in your other pregnancies. Um, I felt betrayed because as I'm laying on the table and hearing every comment and clank and uh, feeling extreme pain, um, I felt that this man was taking my babysitting money and really didn't care about who I was um, or what the situation was, or even what happened to me afterwards. 
The worst news was he thought somehow he would make me feel more comfortable by saying, well, you know, the pregnancy at this stage is just a blob of cells. Yeah. And decided he would show me the contents of the canister for the suction uh, curettings. And I could see little hands. And he even was so kind as to tell me it was a male. Jeez. Um, went to the recovery room. Friend picked me up. I couldn't even walk through my graduation the next couple weeks later. I was fourth in my class. I should have been a great time, but I was so miserable. I was so ashamed. I was... I didn't even want to see my boyfriend again. Mm -hmm. So what was a really serious, good relationship turned into this terrible relationship. He never chided me. He, mm -hmm. he didn't want us to have abortion. He wanted us to get married. And so, you know, there's so many factors involved in this. Yeah. It's just not an easy thing. Although it can be made easy if you're totally sedated. Or somebody's telling you there's no problem, or it's a blob of cells, or yeah. all these other things. Yeah. They're, they're not truth, so. Yeah. So the one good thing that happened is I firmly decided I was going to be a doctor, and I was going to be a caring and compassionate doctor. And I did return to my faith, and I wanted to be a Christian doctor. Mm. I wanted to reach out and help people. I wanted to help women who had pregnancies, no matter what the situation was. And the ones who came to me, I would be honest and kind, and I would try to help them in any way I could. I would not condemn them. Um, but I also felt strongly at that point in my life, I was not going to be a provider of abortions. Yeah. And that was my right. Mm -hmm. um, so as far as men go, though, I mean, let's, the equation here involves Y chromosomes. Yes. Uh, any way you look at female. it, regardless of, yeah. you know, if you have a girl, you have sex, but you, you, you got to have a complement of chromosomes from a guy. Yeah. So for women to ignore men in this process is wrongful. Yeah. yeah. We have to acknowledge men's feelings men's ownership of the situation it's yeah. also a way yeah. for men who are guilty so to speak to get off the hook oh yeah. well it's her problem it's not my problem yes yeah and that's not true either yeah yes yeah and then yeah. what about the baby yeah what about the baby yeah yes. when you're an OBGYN doctor you are caring for a team you are caring for the mother and you are caring for the baby. And every decision that you make in that prenatal care involves both, right? Yeah. Not just one. Yeah. yeah. So, again, for us to presume that this is only a woman's decision, yeah. I'm a liberated woman. <laughs> I burned my bra when I was 15. Sure, yeah. I, you know, have always been... Uh, very firm in my leadership abilities throughout my life. And that's been provided to me. I've had positions of training, faculty, professor, award-winning national yeah. recognition. Yeah. But what is so much more important than all that is really treating your patients as total humans and mm -hmm. the whole situation. Because same thing, it's not just about a product of conception. It's about relationships. Yes. Relationships that woman has with her family, with her partner, with her yes. husband, yes. with yeah. her own children, if she has. How this impacts all of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's a lot more complicated. And I think we are in the season politically where we're trying to divorce the whole subject of abortion from any morality. And just like what you were saying, it's, oh, it's just a lump of cells. It's your choice. All the language is bent around. How can we make this just feel like a convenient procedure? Right. Um, David, a couple of weeks ago, said something that I thought that's really good. He said, we're in a culture right now that believes 
if you could remove the stigma of sin, then you can remove the consequence of sin. And we can't. Yeah. And you, I mean, just it's so heartbreaking to think about a teenager and a doctor who knows yeah. better to just yeah. bring you in and say, oh, it's going to be just fine. Don't worry about it. Don't tell your parents. Don't do any of that. And to completely ignore the fact that you will feel repercussions from it. Yeah. Not just physically, but emotionally. I mean, even to, to this point, I don't know how many years ago that was, but it's like if up until this point, you still feel the emotions of that. And I think it's so sad that we're telling young women, oh, you're not going to feel anything. It's going to be no big deal. You know, it's something to be proud of. But deep down, I think we, we know there's just something, there's something wrong. There's something off about it. And there's something dark about it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think for you and your experience too, when, when, when women are coming in, we tend to think that, and I think that a lot of times the the political um, the the pro choice political side mm-hmm. tends to say that the pro life side hates the women and we're just like angry at them, but I think it's very different. When I've worked with Choices yeah. Pregnancy Center and I know a few people that work there, yeah. it's different. It's very loving. It's yeah. very caring, and you care very very much for the women. Mm-hmm. What is what is that like when you're in the day to day of Choices? Yeah, you know, that's a line that I've heard for a lot of years, too, um, coming from that side of the movement, the the pro-choice, is that um, you you do just care about the babies. Um, and, you know, I want to speak to that because I, I actually probably was that person when when God called me in um, to do that. Now, I would not have consciously said that, um, but I became aware of it. And the Lord is so kind in those ways to us. He reveals things about our hearts as we go, but He does it in such a loving manner. Um, so when I went in, it was during that time when I was hearing all of these horrific stories um, about what was going on about baby parts. And I was like, save the babies. Yes, God, yeah. and I, yes. When He yeah. called me in there, I'm like, yeah. I can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. I absolutely. I want to go be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And m- my heart, and I, the Lord knew this, and He knew this is what would propel me into action. Um, at that point, m- my only real thoughts were towards the babies. I couldn't stand the thought of what was happening. And so um, that was what He used to drive me into the pregnancy centers and through the training. And like I said earlier, through looking eye to eye with these women um, through walking. Most of the women who work in these centers have had an abortion, not all, but most. So they've been there. They, they speak from personal experience. Um, and, and I did go in and I, and I thought, you know, as I began to see, these are not just women who just don't want a parent. They just don't care. That is very much a misconception. And I was a person who probably subconsciously thought that when I went in, um, but these women, these are um, these are pastors' wives. These are worship leaders. These are the young teenage girl whose father is the pastor, and they know what their church is going to think if they tell them they're pregnant. So it, it is also the poor um, that 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 literally they just don't have the means, and they truly do not know how they're going to do this. Um, and so. You know, when when I went in there um, and and I saw that it became very real to me and the Lord began to work on my heart and show me the biggest thing that I have learned about the father's heart through all of this is he loves the women, the mothers, the fathers equally to what he loves the babies. He is not for one and against the other. There's not a side. There's not our sides that we've chosen that he's on one side or the other. He is for life. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I want to be clear. God makes it clear where he stands on life. Mm. And 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 I am not for abortion, but I, I also want to follow the, the Father's heart yeah. into understanding that, that there is, um, he is for these women. Yes. So we have to be for these women. And that doesn't mean for abortion at all, because that's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about if we are going to call these women to choosing life, we are then going to have to follow that up with some action. Yeah. And we have, we have to show the heart of the father. This is our moment as a church. Yes. I mean, this is one of the most incredible moments we've ever been given. And we can't just be a voice of condemnation. We can't be a voice saying, you need to choose life. Abortion is wrong. Yeah. Now 
we're going to have to follow this up with some action. But but it was through going into these centers and talking with the women who work there. And I, I, I will never forget, it was with Julie, who was the director. I was going through training. And she said to me, um, she said, Jennifer, I, that we had had to watch videos on how abortion procedures are done in the first, second, and third trimester. Because if I'm going to go into the room with these girls in counsel, I have to be able to speak with some wisdom and and give them actual facts on yeah. what they're looking at doing. And um, I was sitting there at the desk um, in the back room, and there was another girl sitting beside me, another volunteer, and I was partly covering my ears as I was listening to these videos um, because I didn't think I had the internal wherewithal to hear the details of um, medically what happens to these babies. And um, so I just partly was like, I'm just, I'll listen to some, but I'm not going to listen to the whole, like the actual in-depth like, detail. I don't, I don't know if my heart can handle it. And, um, and so Julie pulled me into the room later and is so lovingly, but she said, Jennifer, the woman that you were sitting by had an abortion. And she said, we just have to be really careful what we're portraying to them um, that w- with our words and our actions. And it just became so evident to me how much our words matter, yes. how much our actions matter to these women. Um, and so it, it was in that moment, she said, Jennifer, God is for these women. Yep. He's not just for the babies. And I left and, um, and I was mad. And, um, I'm not proud of that, but I, the Lord was just working through, he was, he was bringing some things that I didn't know were in my heart out so that he could deal with them and change my heart. So it was such a kind and amazing thing. Um, and so I, it really was a transforming of my mind and my understanding. Yeah. So easy to have thoughts and opinions until you sit down with these people who have been through it until you listen to their circumstances and um and the lord has i can't even begin to tell you what the lord has done in my heart to help me see these women the way he sees them and so as you were sharing your story earlier story earlier i was tearing up because that's a story that i hear almost every time um i'm in the center and um these women are hurting and they need a voice of compassion. And I think the lie is that the pro-choice side is the compassionate side on Mm -hmm. the women. And, Mm -hmm. and we do, we have to fight, we have to fight that. uh, What you said, I I never really even thought about that, that politically they're trying to pin women against their own babies. Like either you're for that baby or you're for the mom. And, and it's, it's just a false dichotomy. We don't Mm -hmm. have to, it's it's life all around. And what, one thing I love, Diane, about your story is through all that, the pain, and even later I know it was hard for conception, maybe talk a little bit about that, mm-hmm. but then the redemption that God brought right. through that for you as a young mom who went through that. You right. Know? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, I went to medical school yeah. and, and in the first year of medical school was diagnosed with a pituitary tumor at that time. And it secreted a hormone that at that time they felt was incompatible with ever having a baby. And I remember once again, being a patient and getting my head scan done and having an endocrine uh, doctor share that information with me thinking, wow, I killed the only baby I could ever have. Wow. Wow. Um, But in God's grace and mercy, I went on to become an OBGYN doctor. I did get married. My husband said, hey, if we can have kids, fine. If we can't, fine. It's it's all okay, you know. Yeah. And um, and he became a Christian after his uh, residency training also. So God is very faithful in relationships. Yeah. Um, but interestingly enough, in residency, I spontaneously became pregnant. Wow. Even though I had no periods, yeah. no signs of any ovulation. So... Was it a miracle? Was it not? I'll take it however. It was highly unlikely. And her name is Janelle. (laughs) And Janelle revolutionized my life um, because I then had a new set of priorities also in caring for women. I actually started a practice called Caring for Women. 
And the whole purpose was to care for women. It was not to make money. I actually looked at my tax returns. I think I made 50000 a year. And I paid my nurses 35000 a year. But we had a staff of 10. And we took care of women. And we took the time when they needed time. And many women would come in just for a general exam and start crying as I did their exam. And as a doctor, this is a little secret, but you can look at a cervix, which is normally a, a nice, shiny little pink donut. But if a woman has had an abortion or if she's had other children, often it will be disfigured and have a different confirmation. So often when women would be crying, it was my first clue. <laughs> and I would try to finish their exam and then say, it seems like there's something bothering you in the past. Can we discuss that? And normally that would strike fear in doctors' hearts because it leads to a lot of time, but we had yeah. the staff to do that. And, and so we weren't there to just find teenage girls who wanted to put babies for adoption. They flocked to us, but it wasn't, that wasn't our purpose. We took care of all women, all situations, never were judgmental about whether it they were Christians, not Christians, whatever uh, affiliation they had, their work, their color of their skin, nothing. Um, and it was a wonderful time. But I did end up having another child, and then I adopted a child. And I felt that that was my glory and honor to be able to do it. And it was actually the mother of the baby was 17 years old. And so smart and came in with her list of things. She knew she wanted to place the baby for adoption. And I had full circle redemption yeah. um, from God that maybe I made, in my mind, a bad choice. Yeah. But there are so many women out there who want the opportunity to make a good choice. But we need to help them. Yes. We need yeah. to help financially. We need to have counseling. Yeah. We need to have compassionate doctors yes. yeah. and we need as a society to say it's okay yeah. all the way around yeah yeah and we need to not make it a political issue absolutely i refuse to get involved in the yeah. politics of it yeah. yeah i want to care i want to think how can i help my latest thing is i want to reach out and help people who maybe are older yeah. i'm old i'm retired <laughs> but still never forgave themselves yeah they carry this burden with them. And there are um, now actual retreats and things for people to come to and mm -hmm. enjoy forgiveness yeah. and mercy. There's ways we can help pregnancy centers. Um, in the Verde Valley area, there's a, a center that's called Ruth's House, mm -hmm. and people can drop off all sorts of donations. So yeah. You know, any type of baby stuff and yeah. formula and money and whatever. They have a little store where then women coming in are given tickets, vouchers, and they yeah. can go shop for free. Yeah. They have yeah. counseling services, homes available. So you have to make it real. Yes. You can't yeah. just say, yeah, we nobody can have abortions anymore. And, yeah. and you know, right. no, you've got to reach out and help. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jen, yeah. have something? You know, I, I think that what you're speaking to, um, we can't just, we can't encourage people um, to choose life and then throw everybody else who made a different choice under the bus. Um, yes. If we want to show the Father's heart, as you said, we need to figure out tangible ways to help, but also how can we minister to the women who have made those choices? Because the thing is, is God is writing a story of redemption for them. Yeah. He is. He doesn't just toss them and throw them away. Yeah. Um, and so many of the women I deal with in the center are women who have already had one abortion and they're looking at having another. And um, we we're going to have to figure out how to minister to these women too and, and how to show the love and the forgiveness of God yeah. to these women too. It can't just be, okay, if you make a choice for life, yay you, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It has to be as a whole. We have to figure out yeah. this is the largest unreached group. Um, and, and that, that really is, um, a, a matter of, of fact, because the, 
one in three women have had an abortion. Forever they said one in four, it's now one in three. So the problem is not getting better. And so it's not just babies that are dying. It's women that really are dying on the inside too. Um, so we have to figure out how to, way how to address this as a whole and really show the father's heart to all of the women. Yeah. And I think that's the the trick, right? And we were talking about this a little bit before we hit record on the cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, as a church, as a Christian, as somebody who loves people, we're constantly looking at, at this, this, um, this issue and saying, okay, well, if we talk about abortion, it might make people feel bad. So then we just let, let's just not do that. Cause that's, what's compassionate to the moms. Um, but I, I am convinced this is a season where the church needs to just kind of crack it open a little bit more and say, yeah. look, mm-hmm. um, the abortion industry, the industry is an evil, evil thing. And yeah. we look at it and I, I look, I look at just like this doctor in your life, people that are taking advantage of women, young women who don't know their options and they're mm-hmm. they're purposefully hiding the other options from them and yeah. now we know making money from it right so as a church we have to be able to look at it and say hey this is this is not an okay thing mm-hmm. at the same time we have to be able to look at the women who are really taken advantage of on multiple levels and maybe even in the church maybe we've created this environment of shame around sexual sin where it's like you've gotten pregnant and you can't tell anybody we need to change that we really do we need to be able to be the place of healing Mm -hmm. for moms or anybody who's gone through that sexual sin is one of those things that really has affected everybody on the planet so uh, we have to be able to create safe spaces to talk about it but to offer that redemption for moms to say it's not too late yeah. The Lord, there is no sin that is too hard for Jesus yeah. to help you heal from, right? right? Well, and as a doctor, there's there is medical things that aren't addressed when people are talking about abortion. Yes. So yeah. there, there is a problem when so many women use abortion as a form of birth control. It's true. I also helped uh, oversee the indigent care clinic um, oh. on McDowell, and, and a lot of our women were prostitutes, drug addicts, whatever. Yeah. And sometimes they'd had 10 abortions. Mm. Now, you know, it's every time you have an abortion procedure, it's costly. Yeah. It's also uh, damaging. And it certainly is creating mm. a whole new infertility world mm. because of that. And the medical industry has changed a lot yes. since Roe v. Wade. You and I were talking about well, that. And We've it, learned a lot since that. So just even, yeah, you talk about we didn't have ultrasounds in the 70s that show the clarity of what's going on. And for me, I am a scientist and I loved to be able to have women come in who had seen somebody and they're like, oh yeah, you're not too far along. You know, you can have an abortion now and go, you know, well, we're not gonna leave that to guessing that you really knew when your last period was. Let's take a look with an ultrasound. And the use of ultrasound is so important for all sorts of reasons. One, it lets a woman know how far along is she? It avoids that issue of doctors going, oh, you're fine. I can tell just by feeling you're fine. Well, maybe you're not. Maybe he didn't feel your uterus correctly. Um, Maybe there's other coexisting medical problems. Maybe you have an ovarian tumor or something else that's getting missed. So ultrasound is very safe, very effective, inexpensive and it's a great tool that every clinic should have um women should not be forced to see either though and that's something that i learned i would say to women i have the ability to do an ultrasound for free for you that will tell you how far along you are to help you in your decision making process yeah yeah and they would go in the room and and i would say you know Right now, you will see the screen and you will see what's on the screen. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Yeah. And almost all of them said yes, because they really were curious. And 90 plus percent of women who are able to see their pregnancy, see that it's not a blob of cells, see how far along it is, make their own decisions. Right. They don't need people saying to them, you're immoral, you're this, you're that. They will make good decisions, especially then if it's provided that there is care for them or another option for their baby. Right. If they can't take care of the baby, 
there are other options and there's open adoption so you can see that baby later in life all the way through if you want my adopted baby came home after two days but we had a totally open adoption and her mom joy um has been involved with her life until now this baby's 30 years old it's beautiful and she it was hard for her at first but she went on to have four children on her own and christina is invited to come and spend time with them and when they come to phoenix or scottsdale or someplace in arizona they will unite with her and she has she's always felt loved this woman even wrote letters to her when she was in utero in the womb to tell her i love you so much that's why i'm making this decision so you know i just want to provide that kind of support i want women to have the best outcome they can medically otherwise and we need in my mind we just need to get rid of the politics yes. and i think that's the thing with the abortion industry they're trying to hide information from moms right and we're standing here saying if m- more information for the mom is compassionate right. for the mom just let her know what's going yeah. on right yeah 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 that's um, w- one of the things that we see when you're talking about ultrasounds is so powerful is over 70% of women that come into the centers when they have an ultrasound, they make a choice for life. Yeah, That's powerful. And that's one thing that when you're looking at some of these other um, pro-choice organizations, they're trying very hard to hide this information. They would prefer you not see an ultrasound. And my question is, Why? if you're going to make a medical decision that is going to have lifelong consequences whether you parent whether you make a choice for adoption whether you have an abortion they have lifelong consequences why would you not want every bit of information and as a provider why would you not want your patient to have all of the pertinent information to make the best choice that they could so um we need to get away from the hiding, the misinformation. Most of the women that come into the centers that we talk with, when we start asking them questions, we find out when they've gone into other organizations, um, they were not shown the ultrasound. They were given false information. Yes. So much about your story is you were, there were so many things done improperly in your story that could have helped you. And, but it was someone who thought they knew better. And, and so they were going to make the decision for you. Yes. And we have to get away from yeah. that. David has a powerful story he's talked about before with Bella when they found out she had spina bifida. And he said he was sitting there with the doctor and they were saying, okay, well, we could take care of the pregnancy, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And as it was going, Brittany was the one that woke up to it first and was like, David, this is not okay. And realized they're going, oh, she has spina bifida. So we'll just, you know, perf- we'll take care of it. The language that you use, you know, let's just kind of sweep it under the rug. Right. And they said, absolutely not. That is not on the table for us. Yeah. But for younger people, maybe they don't even really know what's happening at that point. Yeah. But it does bring up the hard question. So this is the question I think in a lot of uh, maybe the pro-choice arguments, they would say, well, what about rape? What about mm-hmm. incest? What do you say Less when it comes than to that? 3% of abortions yes, yeah. are related to that. And yeah. I can tell you from personal experience, I've known many women who actually chose to continue their pregnancy despite being raped mm-hmm. because of the fact mm-hmm. they said, this is not this baby's fault. Yeah. And they yes. put the babies for adoption. Yeah. One was one of my daughter's first grade teachers and I didn't, she just knew I was a OBGYN and shared the story with me and I was blown away. And she knew st- statistics better than anybody. And she just said, she goes, you know, it was an awful thing that happened, but that baby was adopted by loving parents and I did the right thing. And that baby was on created on purpose and mm-hmm. for a purpose. And yes. yes, it was a terrible situation, but mm-hmm. I guaranteed that family that adopted that child is so thankful for that child you know i don't know if you have anything else. yeah i i actually do want to add something to that because i think it's really important so it it is it's a minute number of cases that that of abortions it, it's that it comes from rape but in the cases that do come from that when a woman is raped it's the worst 
kind of offense. I, I can't, I really can't even fathom, um, the lack of power, the lack of control, something, a choice completely taken out of your hands and you were violated in the worst way. You did not have a choice in that. When that happens to you and you become pregnant and then you turn around and you make it a choice for abortion, that is a choice made. That's done by your hands. And I hear people argue for this and I understand the spirit behind it. I understand that it was so wrong what was done and it was so unfair. How dare we take the choice away from them? Because we think ultimately the healing is going to come from being, I'm going to return the choice to you on this. We can see clearly that the healing does not come from death. So when we take life, there is no healing that comes from that. And so we, it, I think it's this thing that we haven't fully thought through many times. And we think we're giving choice back to the woman when really we're just intensifying the trauma yeah. because now it's not the trauma of the rape. Now yeah. we've heaped on more trauma with the trauma of the abortion. And, yeah. and it is undeniable that it is a traumatic event. Yeah. And it brings shame. It brings yeah. all these really complicated emotions. I yeah. think we're being told it's the loving thing to do, right? but it is, it's far more nuanced mm-hmm. than Yes. anybody in the political realm will ever give it credit for. And right. I think this is another thing we were talking about earlier is the political side of, of this argument is, um, is so sneaky in the way that they're doing this. And even when we were talking about Roe v. Wade, people are going, I, I see it on social media all the time. They're yeah. going, now this radical you know, justice system has made abortion <laughs> illegal. And you go, that is not accurate no. at no. all. And I think there are a lot of people that are saying that that know better. I think they know what they're doing. Right. They're trying to like get angry sure. people to fight against each other, right. right? You know. And I believe that in most cases of rape and especially incest, yeah. that that has been available to women. Mm-hmm. And that's again, I may differ somewhat in some areas, but mm-hmm. I'm not here to control everything that happens. Yeah politically and legally and also even choices that people make. Um, I do want people to be well informed. I'm not responsible for that decision. Right. If they make the decision though, that they want their baby to be adopted. Yes. We need to be there for them. Those are the ones that that's fine. Then we're going to help you. We're going to help you do the right thing. That's a hard thing. And that costs money and all these other things. We can't, as Christians, say, don't do this without providing answers, solutions, support. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the support for the mom, too, on the backside, if they choose abortion. And that is on the plate for a lot of people. Yeah. And just like you said, one 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 out of three. Yeah. That's a lot. And I was very cognizant of that when I stood in front of the church on Sunday morning saying, yeah. I understand that there is guaranteed women out in front of me that have gone right. through this and men that have gone through this too. Yeah. Um, and we do have to have a certain level of care and really, inf- and that's this is the hope of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Can we speak to this with a little bit more of an informed mind? Can we speak to this with more of a compassionate heart toward everybody because yeah. Jesus loves everyone yeah. involved, right, even right. abortion industry people, even the doctors, even yeah. there is, there is radical redemption from Jesus that makes no yes. sense yeah. in a human, in a human world. But he, through the blood on the cross, his blood on the mm-hmm. cross paid for all that sin. Yeah. So we have to be the place that has to be the safe place again, to be able to talk about it, yeah. not sweeping it under, under the rug, right. but acknowledging women it. feel guilty. Not making women feel guilty, but acknowledging, hey, you went through something traumatic and yeah. painful, and maybe you're 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 feeling the weight of it, and maybe you felt the weight of it from the day that you made that mm-hmm. that choice. Mm-hmm. Let us help you walk through it. Yeah. I think at the same time for us as a church, we have all these young. Uh, our, our church recently has been getting a ton of GCU students, yeah. so we have a ton of college students in mm-hmm. our sanctuary, and I think a lot of them have grown up hearing 
oh, it's just a clump of cells. It's no big deal. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. Even in a Christian university, mm -hmm. and probably even especially in a Christian university, yeah. uh, they're starting to go, oh, it's really not a big deal. And again, the compassionate part for us is to tell them, no, it, it is a big deal. Yeah. This is not a light decision. Don't believe what the politicians are telling you that this is something to be proud of. Yeah. And, you know, like I, yeah. I see these marches and it just grieves me so much the, yeah. how flippant people are about this, right. not just for the babies, but for the moms telling them that this is going to be no big deal and you won't regret this later yeah. is a lie and it's yeah. not loving to them. Yeah. So how i don't even know how to segue from that point um i think you know diane i don't know if you have something to say yeah, yeah. i was just gonna say so we need to be as churches and groups of people who care yeah we need to have retreats we yeah. need to have sessions uh in churches and mm -hmm. schools wherever so that it gets out on the table yeah for young people Parents need to take the responsibility yes. to talk to their kids. Absolutely. Don't rely on school mm -hmm. systems. And I don't care if you're in private, public, or mm -hmm. charter, or whatever. Parents need to take that responsibility. Yes. And in, for some women or men, I had one friend, and she's like, Diana, you have to talk to my daughter. I can't say a word. It's just, you know, yeah. and, and I find people who will yes. represent what you want them to hear or ask at your church yeah. to provide classes or something like that so that good information is getting out to young people who are having changes in their bodies and their hormones. And they're like, what do I do with all this? Yeah. There's a lot of pornography available on the internet. Yes. There's a lot of other ideas. There's a lot of predators. So we need to take it back. Yes. We need to help our young people be exposed to the right things. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have abdicated our responsibility as parents to the state for far too long to raise our kids and speak to them about these issues. Yeah. And I think that that's one of those things that's very empowering if we know as parents you are the best equipped person yeah. to talk to your kids about these things. And I think in this world where everything is, is so intense and it feels so hard or ethereal, like how can I make a difference in that? Yeah. Starting with your kids is such an easy place yeah. to start communicating and start shifting this tide in the area where you have the ability to speak into yeah. people, you know? Yeah. So as we're, as we're wrapping up, maybe uh, Jen, if you want to share something, what would be your heart for, a woman who's gone through an abortion or is maybe even considering an abortion. Yeah. What, what would you say to a woman in that situation? You know, um, I think one, it's really important to get all the facts mm. and this will be something that will be with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, it, it is a much weightier and bigger decision than society would lead us to believe. Mm. There is this theory of, um, abortion. Yeah. Okay. We go back to normal now. And this probably the biggest lie that I see as I'm talking with these women in the centers is that, that, okay, if I can just take care of the problem, get rid of it, then my life goes back to normal. Yeah. And I, I would want to tell a woman with so much compassion that that that's a lie, that your life will not go back to normal. You can't just easily take care of the problem. Um, because it's life and it is going to have consequences on you. So have all of the facts, really understand what you're looking at doing, but understand there are so many resources out there to help women who, who I want to parent. Um, I just don't know how, I don't see a way. And this is what I hear the most. I don't see a way to be able to parent and do this. So I have to have an abortion please get in contact with um, a pregnancy center with a church. There are so many resources to help you during that time. But understand the heart of the Father is so full of love mm -hmm. for you. Yeah, We've all made choices we regret. Mm -hmm. um, there is so much redemption in your story to be had. It, it, you're not done. Yeah. If that's a choice that you've made, um, if it's a choice that you do make, you're not done. The Father is waiting there with an open arms, no matter what your experience with the church has been, with your family, with your boyfriend, with your friends. Um, God is waiting there with open arms to receive you back. And so I would just say, 
just as Diana said earlier, find someone who can help you. And as, and I just want to say, I think it's important to the church, find somewhere that you feel passionate about. What is your place? It may not be to adopt it. You may not be an OBGYN who can help these women along. What is the place that you can put yourself in there, that you can insert yourself, that you, whether it's giving money, whether it's fostering, whether it's supporting these women, supporting crisis pregnancy centers, just find your place. It doesn't have to feel huge or um, like you're making this massive difference. Just find something that you can do to be an answer for these women and to show the heart of Christ. That's really all we need to do is show the heart of Christ. Diana, anything you want to add? I just want there to be more responsibility from a family viewpoint that, that parents will be involved with an open door policy that children will feel that they can go to them and ask questions, trust them, that they won't be condemned, and that they are supplied with accurate information about changing bodies, uh, sexual desire, and not Mm -hmm. just abdicate that to the internet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much. I think for me, just in in closing, um, I think the church really needs to be involved in this mm-hmm. subject a lot more. And um, speaking to any church leaders or anybody in the church, I know it's hard, but as Christians, we're called to be brave. We're, we're, yeah. we're called to step into areas that are really painful. Yeah. That's our job. And mm-hmm. we've been doing that for, for 2000 years. You know, that's, right. this is, this is what we do as a family. Like yeah. we go into the hurting and dark places. That's right. what we're known for throughout history. That's what we continue to have to be, you yeah. know, known for. So we, we have to step into that. And what you said is so great. And we'll probably put a link. I think if, if we could, um, put a link to crisis pregnancy center, maybe that's a yeah. place where you can uh, give or volunteer or whatever, but starting with your family, starting with your kids creating this environment where we can talk about these subjects that are really meaty, really weighty, um, but doing it with love in our heart toward our children and toward other people's children that are going through this. Um, So church, we have to step in. We've got to do more. Um, And hopefully this is a podcast that's starting that that ball rolling. And uh, if you have any more information or or you want some more information, please feel free to email us, uh, jump on livingstreams.org. Um, and we'll link to, to Choices Pregnancy Center. We really stand behind Choices as a church. Uh, we love what they're doing here uh, in the Valley. Uh, so thank you so much for you guys joining. And thank you so much for all of you guys listening. Have a great day.